Our loving Father in heaven, praise, honor, glory, and adoration be unto your name for the goodness and your mercy and your love which you have bestowed upon us. We are grateful to you for giving us the privilege to be among the living. We thank you for even providing for us all the basic necessities that we need. Thank you for security and peace that we enjoy. Thank you for guidance and protection. Thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Angels on our behalf and that of our Lord Jesus Christ. All these provisions made to make man more better than he is. Lord, we are grateful and say all honor be unto you, O Lord. This morning we bring ourselves to you for consecration. We pray, Lord, that the words which you will be speaking to us shall inspire in us the Spirit of God, that we shall be possessed of your Spirit and that we shall live for you today. Put your words in our mouth that we may be able to bless all who would listen to us. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Our High Calling, March 18 Full Provision for Pardon The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Psalm 34 verse 18 Do not think that because you have made mistakes, you must always be under condemnation, for this is not necessary. Shall we look at our sins and begin to mourn and say, I have done wrong, and I cannot come to God with any degree of confidence? Does not the Bible say, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness? 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 It is a proper thing for us to have a realization of the terrible character of sin. It was sin that caused Christ to suffer an ignominious death on Calvary. But while we should understand that sin is a terrible thing, yet we should not listen to the voice of our adversary who says, You have sinned and you have no right to claim the promises of God. You should say to the adversary, It is written, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. 1 John chapter 2 verse 1 The psalmist says, I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Psalm 32 verse 5 this is the kind of experience that we should have. David was pardoned of his transgression because he humbled his heart before God in repentance and contrition of soul and believed that God's promise to forgive would be fulfilled. He confessed his sin, repented and was reconverted. In the rapture of the assurance of forgiveness, he exclaimed, 
Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputed not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Psalm 32 verse 1 and 2 The blessing comes because of pardon. Pardon comes through faith that the sin confessed and repented of is borne by the great sin bearer. Thus, from Christ cometh all our blessings. His death is an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He is the great medium through whom we receive the mercy and favor of God. Amen. The title of our devotion is Full Provision for Pardon. And our key text is Psalm 34 verse 18 which says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and save it such as be of a contrite spirit and uh, we are going to be looking at the concept of entering into that narrow way i believe two days ago there were some solemn words we read telling us the power of sin to hold us back and how even after we have found the way to life it is still a difficult thing to enter into it because of the cords of sin. But God will have us understand how to break the cords of sin. And I believe that today's devotion will help us to know how to break the cords of sin. I'll be talking about faith, feeling, and how to take hold of the promises of God and gain the victory. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 5, verse for that whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Paul in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, using the symbols of weaponry, I believe reading from verse 12 downwards, he was explaining the weapons of our warfare that we use to overcome the devil. And one of the weapons mentioned is again faith. He called it the shield of faith. In 2 Corinthians, reading chapter, I think, 10, reading from verse 5 or so, talks about the weapons of our warfare not being carnal, but are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Why am I going through all of this? You see, the greatest battle, one of the greatest battles we fight with the devil. Is when we commit sin our reaction it is here that sin holds us with its cords and if we cannot exercise faith when we commit sin against God sin will hold us more strongly and bound us with its strong cords and that's why that Bible passage we read in the book of Proverbs chapter 5 reading verse 21 22 it talks about the wicked will be taken with his iniquity that is the iniquity of the of the wicked shall hold him he shall be held with the cords of his sin one of the ways that sin holds us with his cords is through our feelings through our feelings 
Here in this devotion, the first paragraph says, Do not think that because you have made mistakes, you must always be under condemnation, for this is not necessary. Now, after Satan has made someone to sin, made you to sin or us to sin, anyone, he then builds on what he has done to cause us to sin by telling lies about God, making us to cherish wrong feelings about God's attitude towards us, and all the while, the effect of this is that sin holds us with its cords so that we don't leave him. Let me read something from you, for you from the book, Ye Shall Receive Power, so that you understand how sin holds us with its cords and how to break off from it with faith. I'm reading Ye Shall Receive Power, page 61. I'll be reading from the second paragraph, page 61, paragraph 3. Paragraph 3 says, But how many do not pray? That is after they have sinned they feel under condemnation for sin and they think they must not come to god until they have done something to merit his favor or until god has forgotten about their transgressions they say i cannot hold up holy hands before god without wrath or doubting and therefore i cannot come so they remain away from christ and are committing sin all the time in so doing. For without him, you can do nothing but evil. End of quote. Do you see what happens? We realized two days ago that the more we commit sin, the more sin holds us in its cords. But how do we continue to commit sin? We continue to commit sin by staying away from Christ. How do we stay away from Christ? By cherishing a wrong feeling, a wrong belief, that because we have sinned against God, we cannot come to Him with confidence, we cannot pray and ask for forgiveness, that we want time to pass so that He will forget our sins, and so that we will feel more confident to come before Him after some time has passed. But guess what happens? While you are waiting for time to pass and you don't ask for forgiveness and you don't pray, you start to avoid prayer meetings, start to avoid religious responsibilities that are given to you. Someone calls you to officiate in church because you felt you sinned this morning or yesterday. You say, no, 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 give it to someone else. Why are you saying give it to someone else? Because you feel under condemnation. You have not prayed for forgiveness. And why haven't you prayed for forgiveness? You feel that God cannot forgive you. And that is a lie. So sin will hold us with this lie. The devil comes to lie to us, telling us that we cannot come to Christ. But guess what? All the while we are staying away from Christ, like we read here, they are, we are committing sin all the time and so doing. Not just that our staying away is a sin. Our staying away is a sin, yes. But more than that, the more we stay away, the more we are enticed to go back into that sin. And the more we commit that particular sin, and the more we commit that sin, the strongholds, the chain of sins gets stronger and stronger, and our inability to go to God becomes greater and greater, and then it is fulfilled what the Bible says, that the sinner shall be held with the cords of his sin. But how can we break the cords of sin? It is by exercising faith. I'll continue the reading now. You shall receive power. Page 61. Just as soon as you commit sin, you should flee to the throne of grace and tell Jesus all about it. You should be filled with sorrow for sin because through sin you have weakened your own spirituality, grieved the heavenly angels, 
and wounded and bruised the loving heart of your Redeemer. When you have asked Jesus in contrition of soul for his forgiveness, believe that he has forgiven you. Do not doubt his divine mercy or refuse the comfort of his infinite love. If your child had disobeyed you and committed wrong against you and that child should come with a breaking heart to ask forgiveness, you know what you will do. You know how quickly you will draw your child to your heart and assure him that your love was unchanged and his transgressions forgiven. Are you more merciful than your merciful Heavenly Father, who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life? You should go to God as children go to their parents. End of quote. Amen. It takes faith for anyone to do what we've just read here. And what this devotion is telling us is, yes, we should feel remorse for the sins that we have committed. We should understand how terrible sin is. That is very much in place. Understand how terrible sin is. Some people do not do that. They make light of their sins. They look at sin as a very small thing. Is it not just a lie I told? Is it not just this? Is it not just that? I just broke the Sabbath. I just bought something on the Sabbath. And all the while trifling with their sin, looking at it as a small matter. There is no sin that is small. Every sin is terrible because every sin would cause the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But having understood this, we are not to go beyond that and feel that because sin is terrible, therefore the blood of Jesus is not enough to cleanse it. Or therefore so terrible that we cannot come to Jesus with our sins and receive pardon from him. When we do that, we are not exercising faith. We are being presumptuous. You should not think that it is a sign of humility to always go with sorrow, feeling sad because of your sins. That is a sign of lack of faith. If you feel sorrow for your sins, yes, it's in place. But you are to rejoice after, not before, after you have asked for forgiveness from God, knowing that he has forgiven. And what is faith? Faith is to lay hold on the promises of God and act according to what that promise says. So what is the promise of God? We have read several of them. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, He has promised us if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Also, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, we, we, we read there that if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. We also read in Psalm 32, verse 5, that when we confess our sins, our transgressions to the Lord, He will forgive our iniquity. We also read in Psalm 32, verse 1 and 2 today, that the man who, uh, whose sin is forgiven is a blessed man. And how does the Lord forgive if we confess our sins? Now it is for us not to walk by our feelings. The devil may be telling us things. We may be feeling a certain way that, oh, this sin is terrible. And yes, good to feel that. But after laying hold of the promise of God, we are to rejoice like David and say, blessed is the man whose sin is forgiven. Now, I want to talk about when to feel this way. When should we start feeling that our sin is forgiven? When should we rejoice in the Lord? Two days after we sin? Two days after asking for forgiveness? When should I feel or know that the Lord has forgiven me my sin? I'll read again from the book, You Shall Receive Power. I'm reading from page 94, paragraph 3. It says, 
oh that we may have a deeper experience in prayer with confidence we may come to god knowing what it is to have the presence and power of his holy spirit we may confess our sins and right there while asking know that he pardons our transgressions because he has promised to forgive we must exercise faith and manifest true earnestness and humility we can never do this without the grace of the holy spirit end of quote we may confess our sins it says and not tomorrow not after we rise up from the prayer but right there while we are still praying while asking not after asking take notes i'll read it again we may confess our sins and right there while asking know that he pardons our transgressions and why should i know this why should i feel this because he said if you confess your sins he is faithful and just to forgive and that is why while i am praying on my knees and asking for forgiveness for sins right there i can say lord thank you for forgiving me my sins and if the lord has forgiven me why should i still feel sad why should i go about mourning when i know the lord has forgiven me and when i know that i have received pardon is it not something to rejoice about it is something to rejoice about how does pardon come through the death of jesus on the cross of calvary for our sins and through his resurrection we know that we receive life therefore this is not something for me to weep about i weep for my sins but when the lord has forgiven me i am blessed and i, I rejoice and i am happy because the lord has forgiven me my sins let us not function with our feelings thinking all the while that god will abandon us you don't have any bible passage for that so when you feel that way you are not walking by faith assuming there was a bible passage that says you should feel that way after you have sinned and confessed your sin and repented of it and you should still feel sorrow and all of that then you will be in place to do that but where is your defense where is the scripture that tells you to do what you do none of it therefore you are not living by faith if when you sin and confess and ask for forgiveness and repent you are still feeling sorrowful and feeling like you are not forgiven that's it's not living by faith you are not overcoming the devil you are not when you do that you are not breaking the cords of sin you must take your privilege some days ago we we studied a devotion that was titled uh taking something about our privilege chosen of god yes that was that was what it was i think the chosen of god it says in the first paragraph that's devotion our high calling page 77 paragraph 2 here it says many have conf- confused ideas as to what constitutes faith and they live altogether below their privileges they confuse feeling and faith and are continually distressed and perplexed in mind for satan takes all the possible advantage of their ignorance and inexperience and we read further that when satan takes his advantage they are lost because they could not exercise faith they did what they were supposed to do in asking for forgiveness they did what they were supposed to do in confessing but they did not receive the forgiveness from god and all the while satan will keep assailing them and they will keep going back to their sins it is our privilege that after or while rather while asking for forgiveness for sins we should know we are forgiven and if you know you are forgiven you should feel forgiven and if you feel forgiven you should rejoice that you are forgiven 
Now, something more I want to talk about, which I think perhaps may be more dangerous about this matter, when we do not exercise faith to receive forgiveness. Something more dangerous is the way we treat our brethren. You see, when you feel that the Lord doesn't forgive you immediately, what is dangerous about it is that you also will not rise higher than what you think about God. You would also feel that you shouldn't forgive people immediately. You would also feel that people who sin against God should not come to church, that they should not participate in church activities because of their sins, even when they have repented. You will treat people with the same character and attitude you think the Lord treats you because you cannot rise higher than your concept of God. That is a general principle of the mind. The mind can never rise higher than the concept it creates of God, that the concept it accepts of God. You will never rise higher. You will keep looking at people with such a, a terrible mindset, looking at them with condemnatory eyes, and you will not permit them to rise from their sins. While God has forgiven them, you will keep harboring some kind of ill feelings about them because of their sins. Whether they've repented of it or not, you will feel, oh, you need some time. Stay away from God for a while. Is that the right way to treat people? Of course, it's not the right way, but because you, when you sin, you feel like you should stay away from God for some days so that he will forget about it. You feel like, oh, if somebody sins, why is he coming to church? Why is he participating in this activity or that activity? Why is he even praying in the first place? What gave him the effrontery to even pray? Is it not this man that sinned? Why, why is she or he? Why, is, why are they even who, going on their knees to pray? After they sinned, and then they are going on their knees to pray. You feel like they have no right to do that because you feel you have no right to do that when you sin against God and therefore you apply that to others all the while abusing people and mistreating them and denying them their privileges you see you must rise higher than that understand that God is not like you you are the one who have created such a concept of God in your mind and you must drop that your preconceived idea and accept the truth about God and what is the truth about God the truth is that if you sin Right there, immediately you sin. Ask God for forgiveness. And right there, while you are still asking, believe that you are forgiven and know that you are forgiven. Feel that you are forgiven. Rejoice because you are forgiven. And when people sin against God, it is not for you to put your mind into their mind and tinker there, say, no, this person has not repented. And even if they repented, they should, they, 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 they should stay away from God for a while and all of that. It is not for you to do that. You should easily forgive just as easily as the Lord forgives you. I pray that God will give us the grace to rise high to this concept so that we can use the shield of faith to break the cords which sin has in our lives. Do not uh, allow sin to hold you back from God and so that you don't confess and pray to God because the more it holds you back, the more you continue in the sin and the more it holds you with a stronger chain and stronger cord and that is how you'll be destroyed exercise faith when you sin go to god ask for forgiveness ask for power right there and then don't wait for many minutes or many days there and then get the victory and may the lord help us amen from the bible passage which says in first john 1 9 if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We also read too in 1 John 2 1. It says, My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. 
But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now this passage makes us to understand God doesn't want us to sin. God's will is that we will live above sin, we will resist temptations. But nevertheless, he made a provision because he knows sometimes we are frail, we are weak. And if by adventure we fall, he has asked us to confess and he has made it his duty to forgive us. If we understand this very well, we'll see how important it is for us to confess our sins. He doesn't look at it as uh, something he would want to do or not. No, he, God has made it his duty that if we confess our sins, he will certainly forgive us. The Christian life is likened unto the soldier. If the soldier is in the battlefield and something happens, maybe the enemy shoots at him. He doesn't say, oh, I have been shot, let me just relax. No, he knows that if he tries to relax, relax then the enemy may kill him but rather he, st- he forgets that pain and goes on to the war so we as christians also when satan may shoot at us when he may make us fall we will be like the soldiers that we will forget that and move on yeah we know the major thing here we all have to struggle with is the condemnation of sin, the guilt, because sometimes there are kinds of sin we we might have fallen into that will, it will make us feel, ah, indeed we have wronged God and God cannot forgive us, but it is not so. You know, in the book, uh, uh, Mind, Character and Personalities, Volume 2, page 539, paragraph 5, it says, I find that I have to fight the good fight of faith every day. I have to exercise all my faith and not rely upon feeling. I have to act through though I knew the Lord. I have to act as though I knew the Lord heard me and would answer me and bless me. Faith is not a happy flight of feeling. It is simply taking God at his word, believing that he will fulfill his promises because he said he would so faith is above feeling so we may feel discouraged but since god's word has said we should not be discouraged then we should not be so same thing as he has promised that he will forgive us our sins whenever we fall into sin we should confess and since we believe in his promises we should move on yes satan may bring the suggestions the thoughts of our guilt but God is greater than sin himself. God is God is able to forgive us. So we should not allow our guilt to to pull us down. No. We should take upon God's word and we should move on. So it is good we understand that indeed Christ has made full provision for pardon. So the next time we are beset with temptation and we find ourselves in, already in sin we should not remain there and think that because we have made the mistake then we'll always be under condemnation no we should not we should rise up as christ says take up our cross and follow him 
So I pray God helps us. Uh, I'll read from the second paragraph which says that do not think that because you have made mistakes you must always be under condemnation for this is not necessary. These writings it really resonates with me because as soon as I make mistake I go against an express command I immediately will say to myself ah my provision is over that act right there was the last opportunity for me and I just blew it I am finished remorse guilt and sorrow and shame will just begin to overthrow reason and my conscience will be troubled and they tend to blot out the promises of God from my mind Satan tempts us to sin and then tempts us with the thoughts that God is very angry. He brings to my mind Bible passages like Ananias and Sapphira. The next thing he intends to see happen is that I will just run away from the wrath of an offended God because God cannot forgive me anymore. That's his plan. And I say that we, most times we do struggle to understand God's part in this controversy. Psalms 103 verse 8. He said, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide with us, neither will he keep his anger forever. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. You see here, it says that God's anger is not forever, but his mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. To such as keep his covenant and to those that remember his commandments to do them. As far as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far had he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitied his children, so the Lord pitied them that fear him. And Jesus came all the way from heaven to tell us, to remind us that he did not come to condemn the world, but rather that the world through him might be saved. In the story where Jesus and Mary Magdalene met in the temple where they brought her so that they, want to, they wanted him to give the command that they should stoned, stone her and she feeling condemned already and Jesus said he that is without sin let him cast the first stone and when all of them ran away and then she said where are the Jesus asked her where are the accusers and she said there nobody's here and then he said i neither do i condemn you so jesus did not come truly to condemn the world but he came that the world through him might be saved we remember david david all david did to uriah and all the mistakes he made but when he repented in hebrews chapter 11 he was counted as one whom the world was not worthy and these all having obtained a good report through faith received 
not the promises. Hebrews 11, 38 and 39. See, God treats us as if we have never seen when we truly repent and confess our sins and take hold of his mercy. Sometimes there is something in the computer called undo, a very vital tool when you make mistakes and you don't know what to do you just click the undo that's what he does he undoes our mistakes as long as we repent and forsake them just look at the life of a man called samson samson who was supposed to be the, the one who the bible said he was to begin to deliver israel i'll read from from eternity past 407 See, at midnight, the accusing voice of conscience filled Samson with remorse as he remembered that he had broken his vow as a Nazarite, but God's mercy had not forsaken him. As a young lady, maybe you've broken your vows like Samson, and then you've laid your head on the lap of someone who you, you trusted only to wake up with your long hair, your glory gone. It troubles conscience. What a change. Weak, blind, in prison, degraded to the most menial service. God had borne long with him, but when he had so yielded to sin as to betray his secret, the Lord departed from him. There was no virtue in his long hair, but it was a token of his loyalty to God. When the symbol was sacrificed in the indulgence of passion, the blessings of which it was a token were forfeited. In suffering and humiliation, a sport for the Philistines, Samson learned more of his own weakness than he had ever known before. His afflictions led him to repentance. As his hair grew, his power gradually returned. His enemies, regarding him as a fettered and helpless prisoner, felt no apprehension. So you see, although he made terrible mistakes, but when he laid hold upon those pillars and prayed one more time, God forgave him and he received strength and he, the Bible says he killed more at his death than when he was alive. So you see, his hair grew again. Our virtue is in Christ. As the song says, Hide me, O thou great Jehovah. We must learn to hide in him. They say if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us from all unrighteousness. So let us take hold of God's opportunities, his mercies, his grace. That he has given us and i believe that as we continue to walk with him day by day we're going to grow into the fullness of the man jesus amen let us pray our father and our god blessed be your holy name oh we thank you for your words this morning thank you for reminding us that you thou are the forgiven god he forgives our sins and cleanses us from all our iniquities. Lord, help us that we may always remember that forgiveness is 
a gift from you and that whenever we make mistakes we do not run to the enemy but let us run to thee this is our prayer to christ our lord amen <laughs>